When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So there's a few things that I want to talk about today, and I want to start off with one that I mentioned in the title of this video, and that is talking about a mystery trader making a, a huge bet on a big move in gold somewhere between now and June of 2021. Now, of course, the the way that they executed this trade was not necessarily just by buying gold outright. That's always a pretty good strategy to go long any asset, especially gold, uh, and especially because of the whole if you don't hold it, you don't own it idea. But what this trader is looking for is not so much just the, the move up in gold between now and then, which would be, be more than a doubling in, in value, but more so what they're looking at is the the leverage that they can gain on such a move to the upside. So what they used here was the classic call options. In this case, as reported by uh, Mike Shedlock via Mishtalk, um, they basically threw in $1.75 million into this long call trade on gold, betting that the price would go up between now and uh now in June of 2021. Of course, the price on these call options, because it's even though it is a, a ways out, uh, is such a high price, um, they were only sold at $3.50 an ounce. So, so looking at this another way, there are an individual or probably many individuals out there that are selling these call options, content with taking them the risk that gold won't be above 4000 and, and change uh, 18 months from now, and then the, the the profit that they're willing to make from that bet is a whopping three dollars and fifty cents an ounce. That's that's tiny. That's a tiny profit that these people are looking to make, and yet that's uh, I don't understand it. But anyways, um, that's what this buyer did is is through these call options. And and the great thing about call options is they do or, or put options options in general is that they do offer a high amount of leverage. And so again, this person is putting in $1.75 million. If gold on in June 2021 is not above $4,003.50 an ounce, if it's between that and, and $4,000, he loses some of his money. If it's below $4,000, he loses it all. But if it's above that number, he makes a pretty tidy profit. In fact, this this is originally posted, uh, or at least uh, shared over on Zero Hedge, and they offer a nice little chart of just how these options work and, and the nature of options. If gold on June twenty first trades at forty one hundred, that one point seven five million dollars is turned into fifty million dollars. If it's at five thousand dollars an ounce, which is, is as much in the realm of possibility as $4,000 an ounce, as far as I'm concerned. 
he's making out with a profit of $500 million, half a billion. That's huge. That's the leverage that you can get through options. And of course, with call options in particular, the upside in, in theory is is unlimited, right? There's an, an infinite upside, of course. Markets usually work in the realm of, of finite prices. But half a billion if it's up at 5000 at that point, uh, 18 months. And I think that's not a bad bet. Now, if, if you are, if this individual is, is throwing you know, their life savings into that trade. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that, that could go the wrong way for them, right? But if this is a, a, a weird hedge, if you want to call it that, a hedge that gold is going to be somehow 400 at that point, which I think is totally reasonable. Um, many would disagree, but I think it's a totally reasonable price uh, 18 months from now. If gold is actually at that level, and this is just a bit of a hedge because the the world's going to be a pretty scary place when gold's at 4000 plus an ounce, then, then I think it's not that bad of a hedge. If this is a, a trader or a firm with with a uh, market value of, let's say they, they have $100 million, $500 million under their, their management, you know, this is not a bad bet. And if it goes in the right direction, they can make a lot of money. And the other nice thing about call options, for those of you that don't do options, I don't, but I have in the past, and I have some experience with them. I know how they work, at least, is that you can sell them along the way. So let's say uh, between now and, and six months from now, gold moves up 500 bucks, which would be huge. Still a far cry from 4,000, right? And that clock is still ticking on on when this options, on when these options expire. Um, he could, in theory, if the price is higher, he could sell these. At that at that value, maybe at that point they are instead of three fifty an ounce, they're ten bucks an ounce, right? And he's made a tidy profit, a couple million dollars, uh, without still having to deal with that risk over the next twelve months or whatever the remaining time span, the remaining lifespan of these options are. I thought it was kind of an interesting topic here, and and uh, certainly not a move that you'd expect by a huge market maker. I think it's more likely that this is a weird hedge or or a, a high-risk bet by by either somebody that's throwing in like a huge amount of their net worth, an individual trader, or some firm that's just kind of throwing some money in this direction because they have a high conviction of that trade. But I think it is a good reminder that there are plenty of individuals out there that have a lot of money that also believe gold is moving to the upside in a big way. The next thing I want to talk about here is a... Uh, an article again over on Zero Hedge, um, this time talking about a, a huge amount of gold that was recently transported from London to Poland. Actually, in, in the amount of about 100 tons. 8,000 gold bars being repatriated into Poland. And I always find these stories interesting because in a low-risk um, global environment, Central banks, it doesn't make sense to me, but central banks should have no problem with having their gold housed outside of their own borders in, in New York or, or London or elsewhere, Paris, wherever else. And it always makes me wonder why they would choose now to repatriate this gold. 
Why now? Why 2019? And why has it been done in a relatively uh, brief manner? You know, in this case, um, I'll find here, but basically it was eight trips that that these jets and, and the security firm took to transport 100 tons of gold from London to Poland. Obviously, this was a, a, a very high security job and everything, but oftentimes it takes countries years to repatriate that amount of gold. And they did it in a whopping eight trips. Why the sudden hurry? And maybe we're reading into this too much. Maybe we're making a, a mountain out of a molehill. But I do think it's interesting. Why would it be now that Poland decides to repatriate this gold? Which is also the same time period in which they're actually buying some gold of their own. Um, something that is not all that common for a lot of, of European central banks. It's interesting. It's an interesting move. Um, again, we don't want to read too much into it. Um, but, I, but I did want to report on it. And of course, over on Zero Hedge, if you want to find it, uh, it's titled How $5 Billion in Physical Gold Was Secretly Moved from London to Poland. And, and I think it explains this, this article uh, pretty well uh, or explain, yeah, about this, this move of, of repatriating 100 ton gold, hundreds of, 100 tons of gold, which is uh, a sizable amount of their overall stack, if you want to call it that, of gold, which is, is in the ballpark of 220 to 230 tons of gold. Now, the final thing I want to talk about today, uh, switching gears here a bit, you know, the other day, uh, I, I put out a, a, a an episode talking about the you know the ever increasing deficit in the silver market. Uh, by deficit, I mean less gold being brought onto the physical market compared to to what the demand is. Demand is outpacing supply, and that ultimately I, I think is going to end in some sort of a supply squeeze. Um, not organic, or I shouldn't say not organically, not under certain, not under the current circumstances. I think it's going to require um, a big move into to physical silver as an investment by, by many, many people, a huge increase in, in physical demand. But I do think that that's going to come eventually. However, I want to talk about a bit of a different supply squeeze here. Instead, talk about China and, and their current pork problem. Pork, you know, unlike here in, in the West, is, is a huge protein over in China, right? I mean, here in the West, what's, what's our big proteins? Like pork's up there, don't get me wrong. But we also like our, like our beef and we like our chicken. And I, I Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Can't really think of what else we like in terms of protein here in the United States. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. We like our chicken. We like our 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 beef. And to some extent, yeah, we like our pork too. Pork chops and, and uh, hot dogs, if, if they're made with that and whatnot. Okay. But China, 
and their population depend very heavily on pork. And it's been well documented that, that for over a year now, China has been dealing with what's called the African swine fever, which is a disease that affects swine, affects pigs, and it kills them. And it's, it is very rapidly spread, very deadly to the pigs, not really to humans, but deadly to the pigs. And because of that, huge herds, huge pig farms have been entirely wiped out either by this disease or because owners of, of the pigs have had to cull the entire herd because they know it's going to spread anyways and, and it's probably at that point only going to spread to more herds from there. And so where this has left China is in a year-over-year basis, they have approximately 40% fewer hogs, pigs, now than they did a year ago. 40% fewer. And again, if this was in the United States, it wouldn't be nearly as big of a problem because we don't depend as heavily on, on one specific source of protein. But in the case of China, this is a huge problem. And because of the sheer size of China, you know, uh, Zero Hedge, um, this is actually originally from the USDA, um, they have a nice chart on just this problem that in 2018, China imported approximately 3 million metric tons of pork. The rest, which is uh, a huge amount, um, tens and tens of, of millions of metric tons, they, they produce domestically. In uh, 2019, they had to import, of course it's not finished yet, but they had to import roughly 9 million metric tons up from 3 million metric tons, tons right? That's a, that's a 300% increase. And even then, they were, it's estimated that they were about 1 million metric tons short of what their population generally would need. But it gets worse. In 2020, it's estimated that China is going to have to import 10 million metric tons of pork, and that's it. It's not that they are going to, uh, um, that that's all they need, when they import that 10 million metric tons of pork, that's it. There's no more pork for them to import. They will have exhausted the world's surplus of pork in 2020, leaving a 12 million metric ton deficit. 10 million. That's enormous. Just for 2020. And, and so what does this mean? Why am I talking about pigs? Well, well, the problem with this, and, and I'm getting confused here because this chart says it, it's, it's going to, yeah, yeah, 12 million, yeah, 12 million metric tons. That, that's a deficit. Why I'm talking about this is because in, in a weird way, pork is very important at this, at this point in history for China's social fabric. So right now, you know, China is essentially dealing with a very, very high amounts of inflation, mostly because of the price of pork. As crazy as it sounds, it's that important for their population. The price of food in general in China is inflating very rapidly. And it's only 2019 where their deficit was estimated to be 1 million metric tons of pork. 
2020, it's estimated to be, again, 12 million metric tons of pork. And the price of pork in a higher deficit is likely to go much, much higher. And, and don't get me wrong, like, there's Chinese people can, can substitute, right? They, they, can, they can reach for the chicken, they can reach for the beef, they can reach for the, the grains or the vegetables or whatever. But it won't change the fact that the price of pork continues to rise very quickly, that the deficit continues to rise as this, this African swine fever doesn't really show any signs of, of slowing, and there's always the risk that it could spread um, across borders, as it already has in many cases, and kill other, whore, uh, uh, other herds of pigs that, that China is already counting on to, to import and further put a squeeze on this, this pork situation. But what I think is really important about this is how does this play into China's current political and societal picture? Inflation, historically, has been a, been a huge component in societal unrest and ultimately revolution. In fact, if you... If you uh, over on, I think it was on Macro Voices, they had a recent podcast um, interviewing uh, Louis Vincent Gave. Louis Vincent Gave, I forget how you pronounce his last name. And he's he's saying just that that inflation is is sort of the common thread between a lot of past revolutions. That people get very upset when the price of goods increases very rapidly. And just how rapidly are we talking here? Well, in, in the case of China's pork prices. Um, according to to some of their local spot pork prices, if you look back in you know earlier this year, in the spring of this year, let's say, the price of pork was was in the range between let's say fifteen and twenty. Uh, that's the price per kilogram, fifteen and twenty. I'm assuming this is yuan. Today, it's up around fifty per kilogram. And that's not even its peak. It was actually above 55 per kilogram for a while. It's come down a bit. But again, with a, a massive deficit like this, it's probably going to continue to rise. But but for pork alone, that is almost 100%. That's over 100% inflation. It's 150% inflation in the price of pork in China. That doesn't mean their overall food or their overall inflation is increased by 150%. But that would be like here in the United States if the price of, of corn inflated 150%. Or wheat you know, think of some major piece of our um, food economy and what that would mean for every product that included that food source, but also other food as well. Because all of a sudden, if you have less demand for pork, because there's just not as much pork to, to have demand for, that makes sense, because of the huge deficit, and instead, um, they're, they're instead putting that choosing to buy chicken or, or beef or fish or or grains or vegetables or whatever, then you're throwing a ton of demand into those products, thus driving up their price. Food inflation could be the name of the game. It could be make or break for China in 2020. And I think it does play into this trade deal. You, you certainly don't want to starve the Chinese people. But, but I do think that this African swine fever has really messed things up for China. And I think it's something that they're not willing to talk about right now. But but I would not at all be surprised to see some major ramifications of this in, in the next 12 to 18 months in China because of inflation, 
inflation breeds unrest and and it'll be interesting to see where this goes in in a country like china but i don't think the chinese people are so indoctrinated because they're not so um uh, loyal to the communist party that they're just going to put up with a massive inflation in in their food and the price of their food especially pork so I hope you enjoyed this video, a bit of a jumping around from, from topic to topic. As always, uh, I appreciate your guys' support. Uh, the one thing I ask of you, first of all, I'm happy that you watch this video and I shouldn't be asking anything else of you. But if you haven't already, I would appreciate that you subscribe to my channel. Um, I do put out content on, on a nearly da daily basis. I'd say four to five episodes a week. Uh, and so I'd appreciate you guys coming along for the ride. I've been doing this for a long time here. And, and, I, and I hope that I can, you know, one of my main goals is always to, to teach and to, to help people learn, to, to inform people about these things going on, as well as to, to just talk about some of the philosophy behind why one would choose precious metals in the first place. So I'd very much appreciate your guys' support, but as always, I'm just happy to have you here in the first place. So thank you for just that, and God bless.